Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6 of the Butchers the Bakers and the Candlestick Makers podcast with me, Dave Coulthard. Um, just a massive thank you as always to everybody who's listened to the previous episode. I know um, the previous one that was released last Tuesday with Nathan Beadle is fast approaching 100 listens now and we've got over 400 in total so I'm absolutely delighted with that. And just a quick shout out to me, a sponsor that I mentioned on the last one as well, uh, which is Commercially United. Uh, they've done some fantastic work with a number of clubs around the country since they were set up. Um, they're now working with half a dozen different clubs, setting them up for sponsorship deals. I know the guys have taken a little bit of a pause um, just while they get the right sponsorship deal set up for those clubs and then no doubt we'll be back in the market for, for others. So if there is any local clubs listening and you want to check them out, it's just uh, commerciallyunited.co.uk. It's time to introduce my guest this evening. It's somebody who's played at the very top level of the English game. He's played in the Premier League, in Europe. He's even played at Wembley as a player. More recently, he is known as the assistant manager of Spennymoor Town. It's former Hartlepool, Ipswich and Sunderland midfielder, Tommy Miller. Tommy, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Good evening. Are you all right? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, very much uh, looking forward to having a bit of a chat about... Um, your career. Um, I know I mentioned just before I come on, predominantly I do cover the Northeast, uh, non-league scene in the Northeast. I know you're at, at Spennymoor now and we'll come on to that, but um, I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity, particularly as a Sunderland fan, to talk a little bit about your playing career as well. Um, so very much looking forward to, um, to, to going through and asking you some of, some of these questions. Yeah. Um, so We'll start at the beginning. So um, I know as a young boy, um, you were unfortunately released by uh, Ipswich Town, um, where you ended up yeah. going back to it as a young boy. And um, obviously being from the northeast, um, you know, you were, you were still kind of living up in the area and you signed for Hartlepool as a young lad. So when, when you were coming through Hartley, uh, the ranks at Hartlepool, who, you know, there were a football league side at the time, equivalent of what's kind of League Two in, in today's currency, um, how easy was it for you to adapt after you'd been at a club like Ipswich and then seeing that opportunity pulled from under your feet? How did you feel going to Hartlepool? Was you, you know, were you disappointed that you'd been released from Ipswich, or were you just very much looking forward to playing football at a very, very decent level? Um, I think I was well. I was disappointed in even Ipswich. Uh, I'd been there two years from the age of fourteen to sixteen, um, and the next sort of step was to to get a. YTS place, uh, which didn't materialise. Um, one of the reasons being I was told I was too small. Um, left school at 16, I was five foot two, so they did have a point. Um, but yeah, they decided to, to release me um, and I went back home, uh, disappointed. Thought could be the end of the world, you know. I thought my dream was over. Yeah. And I was all set to go to Pete Lee College, a leisure and tourism course. And then um, I got a phone call, uh, Brian Honor. He said, why don't you come down to Hartlepool and, and have a trial with us? Uh, they'd already agreed um, for their YPS intake for that year. Yeah. Uh, but they said, come down, see how it goes. Um, and I did pretty well. So they, they asked the FA if they could have an extra, extra place. Um, and luckily, uh, they got one. And I got offered a YTS deal, which I was absolutely delighted. Um, and it got me back in the game, really. Brilliant. And um, I think, you know, in your younger days, you obviously then went on and established yourself in the Hartlepool first team for, um, you know, for a good few seasons and a um, bit of a fan's favourite at Hartlepool. When when the opportunity then came up a few years later to go back to Ipswich, um, was there other teams in, in for you at the time or was it very much just a case of you kind of wanting to go back to Ipswich to prove a point? Why, why kind of choose them at the time? Yeah, I'd spoke to a couple of teams. Um, and as soon as Ipswich sort of made their interest, 
uh, my mind was made up. You know, they'd had a fantastic season in the Premier League. They'd finished fifth. Uh, they qualified for, for Europe. Um, obviously, I'd been there as a, a young lad. Um, yes, got released and was heartbroken at the time. But I just thought I had unfinished business. I knew the area. Um, I knew the club. Uh, I, I know how well they look after you uh, yeah. behind the scenes. And I just thought it was an opportunity um, I couldn't turn down. And yes, I was leaving Hartlepool, the, the, the lower leagues, you know, and going yeah. to Ipswich, you were flying high in the Premier League. Um, it was a massive jump, a massive step. And I knew I'd have to bide my time to, 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 get a, to get a chance. But I thought this is an opportunity I can't turn down. Yeah, I mean, when you went there, I mean, you briefly um, played a number of games in the Premier League in your first season and then kind of following the relegation, um, you, you kind of really went on to establish yourself in the Championship. You got a taste of Europe. Um, how, how big of a step up did you find it? And um, obviously the price tag as well. I know, you know, in, in today's money, £750,000 might not seem that big in the grand scheme of things, but actually if yeah. you go back to the time and think, you know, this was a player coming effectively from... League Two standard up to the Premier League, it was quite a hefty price tag. So, did you feel any of that pressure at Ipswich, or were you fairly kind of relaxed about the whole situation? It, it never really ended. Behead the price tag, um, I think at the time, and probably still is to this day. Uh, there's not many players go from the lower leagues, uh, certainly the lowest league in the football league, Division Three, uh, League Two as it is now, uh, to the Premier League. So, I think the the price, what it was, I think that's still sort of the highest. Um, price from a player going from the lower leagues to the Premier League. Uh, so I didn't really think too much about it. I went there, I obviously knew the standard was going to be a lot higher. The teams you're playing against are going to be a lot better. Um, but I was made to feel welcome from day one. You know, the lads who were there, some experienced professionals, some great characters. And they'd just come off the back of a, a fantastic season. Uh, the, se the second season, my first season, it was a struggle. You know, they I don't think Europe helped. You know, they had a lot of games and maybe we didn't carry the numbers in the squad to cope with the amount of games. Uh, we got relegated, but in hindsight, it was probably a good thing for myself because the club was going to the championship and I knew I'd get more opportunities. Yeah. Uh, and I knew as soon as that happened, this was this was my chance. This was my real time to, to make a mark on the team. And luckily I got in the team and, and scored a few goals and, and had some good years there. Yeah, it certainly did. And... Um... Obviously, your next move from from there was when you were uh, you, you came back to the northeast to play for play for Sunderland. Um, what what was it like playing for a side that was kind of your kind of local side growing up? What what did that feel like when you uh, when you came up and signed for Sunderland? Yeah, again, I mean, I was at the end of my contract at Ipswich, and the manager at the time, Joe Royal, we'd had a fantastic season. We got into the playoffs, uh, and the manager just said, "Listen, I don't know what I'm doing um, regards to next season." I can't really offer you anything at the minute uh, until I know what league we're going to be in. Um, I was obviously getting a few goals. There was a bit of interest from elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, a few clubs came in and obviously Sunderland were one of them. Uh, a local lad wanting to go back home, back to the North East. And again, I've used this word earlier on. Opportunity was, was too good to turn down. Uh, so I ended up meeting Mick McCarthy actually yeah. in Portugal. He was there at the same time as me. I got the phone call and he said, and I come and meet you. So I met him in a hotel in Portugal and we more or less got everything done and dusted there and then. Uh, he didn't have to tell me about the size of the club and what it means to play the son of the North East. You know, I, I knew all about that from when growing up and going to watch him as a young kid. Um, so I was I was delighted to get that sorted and obviously to, to sign for them. 
Yeah, and I think as a, as a Sunderland fan, and um, you know, at the, at the time, I think it's fair to say that um, we we'd obviously yo-yoed a little bit between the Championship and the the Premier League, and I yeah. think um, you know. There's no kind of uh, getting away from it. I think you know that particular season in the Premier League was a you know was a disappointment. It finished with 15, yeah. uh, 15 points at the end of the year. But do you feel that Mick McCarthy was still? Do you, do you think it was right then that the club moved him on, or do you think, given that you know there was probably a lack of budget there available at the time, do you think that was maybe a bit harsh on him and should have been given a bit longer? How, how did you feel about it when when the time came that Mick moved on? I think when you're moving from the Championship to the Premier League, you need money. Uh, it's as simple as that. You need to spend money to, to improve the team. There's a big jump from the Championship to the Premier League. And if you don't have money, then you're going you're gonna to struggle. Team yeah. spirit and togetherness can get you so far, but we just lack quality, um, if I'm perfectly honest. It wasn't for lack of effort or you know working hard. We just lacked that quality. And ultimately, it was a... A bit of a nightmare season, you know. You, you, yeah. you don't want to go, get relegated, um, and obviously the points total was low. Yeah. Um, so, I believe if, if Mick had had money to spend, uh, certainly what pre, uh, other managers have had, um, then some, we would have stayed up. We would have stayed up because we would have brought the right players in, the right characters. Um, from a personal point of view, I was obviously a free transfer, so I'd done well in the championship, and it was now time to test myself in the Premier League again. Yeah, and I mean, when when you went down that season, I mean, obviously you you did stay on the books at, at Sunderland for another year, but um, you'd started a few games under Niall Quinn when he appointed himself as manager at the, the start of the season. But I think yeah. I'm right in saying you picked up a bit of an injury uh, around yeah. about the time that Roy Keane came in. Um, he went out, brought the likes of Graham Cavanagh, Dwight York, um, Liam right. Miller. Um, yeah, he came in at the time. So was it clear from day one? Uh, when he brought those signings in to you that you were going to have your work cut out to get back in the team did did Roy ever kind of sit you down and speak to you around about, about the situation or was it just a case of working your way back from injury and then kind of finding out that you know it was going to prove difficult to get back in there yeah I mean obviously I'm sitting in the treatment room and, and Roy Keane's come in and he's he's been given money to spend and he's like you've just mentioned there he brought the, the likes of Dwight York in Graham Cavanagh Liam Miller uh, you know and he, he was spending money he was getting lads in he was he was mean in business, you know, he was wanting the club to get back up to the Premier League and I'm sort of watching it frustratingly from the physio room because I wanted to be part of it, I wanted to sort of be training, I wanted to be out there. You know, Roy Keane's a massive name, an absolute legend of a, of a player, you know, watched him grow up and I was, it was frustrating sort of watching from the sidelines and not playing my part or not having a chance to play my part. Um, and then I got back fit, the team had picked up some decent results, I was sort of in and around it, I was on the bench a few times but... Yeah. Never really got that opportunity to to show them what I could do. I mean, I was I was doing everything I could. I was playing a few reserve games. I was scoring a few goals. But maybe he wanted to change the the whole club. You know, I could understand from yeah. obviously I was there from from the team that got relegated. So he was probably wanted to change a lot of things. And obviously I was one of them that didn't really get an opportunity. And I was on my way not so long after. Yeah, and I think I'm right in saying you had a very uh, brief spell out on loan at Preston, where I think you actually played against Sunderland when you were on loan there. I'm yeah. right in saying that. Um, how, yeah. how weird was that? I mean, that obviously that's something that's not actually allowed now. Um, but I think at the time, um, obviously, you know, with the right permission, you could do it. So, I mean, did that did that affect your kind of preparation in any way? Did you think of that game any differently? Did you kind of go into that feeling you had a bigger point to prove, or was it just kind of any other game? 
Well, I needed to go out on loan because I needed to play games. It was simple as that. And, and obviously, Roy Keane agreed to it. Uh, he wanted me to go back to Ipswich. Ipswich came in for me. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to go to Preston. Preston were obviously closer uh, to home uh, from yeah. where I live. Uh, and Preston were doing well in the, in, in the Championship. You know, They were up near the top. So I thought, yeah, that's where I want to go. I need to play games and, and, and show them what I can do. And the week leading up to the Sunderland game, uh, Paul Simpson, the Preston manager, was saying, have you heard from Roy? Have you heard anything from Sunderland? And I, I said, no. He said, well, I think you're down to play. There's nothing in the contract, what we signed, the, the loan agreement, and he hasn't even mentioned it. So it was very surreal leading up to the to that Saturday and obviously walking out of the stadium alike with a Preston shirt on, still really a Sunderland player. Yeah. It, it was hard, um, but once the game got underway, I, I was doing my best for Preston. It was simple yeah. as that then. We, we won the game and um, I think Roy said at the end of the game and certainly at half-time, you know, one of the best players for them is Tommy Miller and he's one of our own. But yeah, that, that's just how the game panned out. And like I say, we won and I think two weeks later, I was back at Sunderland or it might have been a week later. Yeah, do, do you, I mean, do you think um, in, in hindsight, I mean, you, you were obviously brought back from that loan and you ended up spending the rest of the season not really you know, getting your opportunity in the team and not really playing football. Um, I'm assuming at the time that you came back, you you were fit and, and able to play. How, how much yeah. of a frustration did you find it kind of, on the one hand, watching the lads win the league and probably being happy, you know, as a local lad and as a member yeah. of that squad, but just kind of having that frustration of seeing that going around you, was that, was that quite a difficult time for you personally? It was because at Preston, we while I was there, we, we managed to get to the top of the league. You know, so we were top of the championship, and I thought Roy was recalling me for for one reason and for one reason only that I was going to be part of it uh, yeah. to go back and to maybe feature a bit more in the first team and to get a chance. Uh, that didn't happen. I was sub a few times, then I wasn't even on the bench, and he'd said a few times, "Well, you're going to be starting," and then I wasn't. So it was it was sort of false promises, really. Yeah, uh, I was yes, I was delighted for the lads because they were winning and they were picking up and they were starting to climb the table and obviously it, it ended up with promotion which was fantastic for the club uh, yeah. but obviously inside and from a personal point of view it was disappointing not to, to have played a more of a part yeah absolutely I mean obviously at the end of that season as well it, it, it spelled the end of your time at, uh, at Sunderland and um, yeah. obviously you moved on and you went on to play for quite a number of different clubs over the remainder of your playing career. Um, yeah. th there are a couple of other um, moments I want to pick out to talk about. So one of them was the, the short time that you had at uh, Huddersfield. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, whilst you were there, you got to the League One playoff final back in 2012, um, came yeah. up against Sheffield United at Wembley. Um, and after a 0 0 draw, it went to a penalty shootout. Um, yeah. Now, sorry to remind you of this, but um, <laughs> you, were, you were the first one up in that uh, shootout. Um, I have watched the video as part of my research. Um, trying to read into your body language. So, what was going through your head at the moment? You've, yeah. been, you've got the ball. You're walking up towards towards that goal to take the first penalty in the shootout, um, and I'll just remind you of this. It looks like you're just juggling with the ball. Was that a sign of coolness? Coolness that you were messing about, or was that a bit of a nervous twitch? And how it, it was trying to be. It was trying to be. I mean, I got to about thirty six out of thirty six penalties. I'd scored them all. You know, I was pretty pretty confident. And then I missed one for Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, yeah. The keeper saved it, and then I missed one for Huddersfield earlier on in that season. Mm. And it was one of them where I was still confident from the spot. So at the end of extra time, 
everything was sorted. It was going to go into penalty. So I'd quickly gone to the toilet, came back out, and Jordan Rhodes was waiting, and he just sort of throws me the ball, and he went, right, you're fessed up. Yeah. And it was more or less, get the ball, and I was on the way to, to take the penalty. And yeah. yeah, I was doing a bit of juggling, and I was seeming pretty relaxed, but it was quite nervy and quite nerve, mm. nerve-wracking. Um, and obviously, with us missing a, a couple previously, yeah. uh, I wasn't as confident as I used to be, and I didn't connect it properly, and Simmonson's read as a treat. Uh, and it's funny because if Simmonson had scored the penalty, obviously it went to the goalkeepers and Alex Smithy scored for yeah. us and Simmonson mm-hmm. stepped up and if he'd scored, I was back up again. So yeah. I, was del- I was delighted when he bloomed it over. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, how, how, were you, how were you feeling at that point? I mean, when, when Simmonson stepped up, assuming he scored, were you, were you kind of thinking, yeah, it's fine, I'll make up for it, I'll get the opportunity? Yeah. Or were you thinking, my God, if I miss two at Wembley, I'll never live it down? <laughs> I was praying he'd miss. Absolutely. Um, I I wasn't keen on going back up. Um, Yeah, yeah, I was delighted when he when he put it over. Absolutely, and um, and I mean you must have feared the worst in that shootout because I think I think I'm right in saying Huddersfield actually missed the first three in that shootout and actually remarkably still went on and won won it. So uh, quite an achievement in the end. Um, I mean it's yeah correct. It's fine margins. I mean in extra time, I think it was about three minutes to go, and I had one cleared off the line. So. Yeah. That goes in, you, you know what I mean? You're a hero and you win. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, I would have felt a lot worse inside if we'd mm. obviously got beat and I'd missed the penalty. But because we won, then it sort of overshadows it a little bit. Yeah. Do you ever look back and um, I, I know obviously you won the game, so it, it, it obviously softens the blow, but not not so much the penalty, but the one that you said was was cleared off the line. Do you ever do you ever look back and kind of dwell on that moment and think, oh, what if? What if I scored the yeah. winning goal at Wembley or... Yeah, and obviously it wouldn't matter the penalties, and then I wouldn't have missed. So yeah. <laughs> I do, yeah. I do every now and again. But like yeah. I say, the, the main thing is we we got uh, promoted, and obviously there's no better feeling than than winning at Wembley and getting up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one more thing I want to ask you about for your playing career, and I'll pause, I'll apologise because I know you, you're probably sick of ask, uh, answering questions. I know what's about it. Yeah, I know what's Paolo, Paolo <laughs> De Canio. Yeah. So, yeah. First of all. Simple question. Is he a madman or is he just a bit misunderstood? What's your opinion of Paolo Di Canio? A bit of both. Um, <laughs> let me just say he, he's a fantastic coach. Yeah. Um, really, really has good ideas. Um, yes, there were some days where it's a bit groundhog day and you're doing the same sort of stuff, but he was very, very good with the defenders. You know, he'd worked tirelessly with them. Yeah. Uh, we did a lot of team shape. But at the time, it was working with us. We were top of the league. You know, we were mm. top of the league um, yeah. in League One. And we were flying high. And it was very intense. He's very mm. sort of, well, you've seen the theatricals on the side. Yeah. Uh, very passionate. Uh, you work hard. You train hard. Uh, pre-season was probably the hardest pre-season I'd ever had in my career. Mm. With ridiculous amounts of running. Yeah. Uh, but after that, it was probably the fittest I'd ever been in my career. Or certainly up there. Yeah. Um, so I, I got on really well with him. Um, yes, there was times where he'd be in people's faces and certainly the younger ones uh, and we'd have early morning videos on watch the game and he would go yeah. through lads and he would de- destroy them, really. You had to be yeah. mentally strong or you were you were finished. Yeah. Uh, but I got on really well with him. And like I say, right, some of his ideas um, I enjoyed and, and liked. Uh, but I knew he would have to change and... Mm. He left Swindon um, and obviously ended up at Sunderland. And I knew if he went on the same as the way he did at Swindon, 
at Sunderland that he wouldn't last long and obviously that's what happened the, the Sunderland lads didn't really buy into to his ideas and it's different when you've got people who's on well thousands and thousands of pounds a week you know at Swindon mm. you know the money's not as not as high and not as you know the wages bill is not as high so yeah. I knew he'd have to change and unfortunately he didn't and that's why he sort of lost his job yeah I, th- I think from when De Canio came to Sunderland, I remember um, I, I probably ha- had mixed feelings on it, I guess, because, um, you know, I look, looking from the outside, it, you could tell that he worked the players very, very hard. I remember watching yeah. the pre-season game in the uh, kind of summer when he was in charge. And um, I was watching the game on the telly and I was saying to me, mate, have you, you know, have you ever seen some of these players look that fit? And it was in pre-season and I was thinking, oh, yeah, he must be working them so, so hard. But then, obviously, there was the famous thing about, you know, saying he banned ketchup and stuff like that. And I was thinking, yeah, yeah, oh, well, yeah. you, know, you know, I can see why the players are kind of, you know, getting their backs up a little bit. Was there anything yeah. like that at um, Swindon? So, like, the ketchup thing or anything like that? Was there anything that he kind of came in and outright banned and you thought, well, all right, this is a bit different? Or was there nothing really like that at Swindon? No, there was. I mean, well, initially, when I first went to talk to him, um, I got a phone call... You know, from his agent, um, yeah. and it was he was called Phil Spencer. So yeah. I thought it was a bit of a wind up. I thought it was him from location, location. Um, so there's a message on my phone. Hi, it's Phil Spencer. Here's my follow the can agent. Can you give us a ring back? So I thought, yeah. well, hang fire a minute. Anyway, the, it rang again later on. So I picked it up, and he went, listen, can you get down to Swindon tomorrow? Paolo wants to see you and have a chat. Um, interested in signing you? So I went down, uh, gone at his office. Um, and he's telling me about his plans and how he works and he, you know it's so so passionate and so intense and I'm just taken back by him because obviously what a legend and what a player you know fantastic player fantastic character um, and then at the end of it he goes mind there's no days off he said uh, very rarely do we have a day off we work hard Monday to Sunday and I'm thinking surely surely not surely you must get a day off yeah. and he's going Wednesday this English mentality of Wednesday off no 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 chance so I, I signed anyway after all that um, and I think we got to about 76 days until we got a, a day off and he classed wow. the the day off travelling back from Italy where we'd been for two weeks on pre-season as, as the day off travelling back and then we were back in the next day so wow, wow. It, was, it was crazy but um yeah, with the ketchup on pre-season, he used to have the mm. fitness coach walk around the table and just check what you're eating and yeah. um, no no ketchup, no milk. But then you could have like a like a sort of cake which was full of butter, <laughs> like butter on toast. So it, yeah. it was crazy, you know. It, there was some crazy stuff, mm. but like I say, I, I enjoyed my year there. It was yeah. very uh, very good, very yeah. good, brilliant. Um, just one one other thing I want to talk about about your your playing career um, before we come on to your your, your coaching career. Um, so two thousand and four, you were I think I'm right in saying you were you were called up for Scotland, um, but you yeah. had a bit of an injury at the time and you never kind yeah. of got back in the setup. So first, very brief question. So so how do you qualify for Scotland? I'm guessing it's a p- parent or grandparent. Or? Yeah, it was my grand, my grand, was Scotland. Grand, yeah. grand. Um, yeah. So. Go, going back to the time that you played for Scotland, um, I, I just really want to ask you kind of, first of all, how, how that came about, you know, who was it that kind of contacted you? Was it, was it you kind of making it clear that you qualified for Scotland or was it somebody kind of got in touch and kind of said they'd been doing the research and asked the question? How, how did that opportunity kind of first come about? Yeah, it was the assistant manager at Ipswich at the time, who was Willie Donaghy. 
uh, obviously Scottish, and he, he just brought it up one day. He just went, "Have you not got any uh, any relations who's, who's Scottish?" And I sort of said, "Well, yeah, be grand, be grand yeah, in yeah. Scotland, you know, home in Scotland." Yeah, yeah. I said, "Bring your passport and everything in. Bring your mm. stuff in, and I'm going to send your stuff to the FA, the Scottish mm. FA, and right. uh, see what develops." So after that, they sort of watched a few games, and then I got invited to a few squads. Uh, yeah. I remember travelling up. Um, we played derby on the Saturday, and I got a bit of a, mm. a knock on my ankle, so I went up anyway. Uh, and unfortunately, I had to come back um, a, a day early because I wasn't yeah. fit enough for the game. And then after that, it was a case of, I'll be perfectly honest with you, it was a great opportunity hmm. uh, looking back, but yeah. my heart wasn't in it in terms of I wasn't Scottish. I didn't yeah. feel Scottish. I was English. Listen, I wasn't going to play for England. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I wasn't. Yeah. But I just thought it, it's not me. It didn't feel right. It just yeah. didn't feel right. And, and not everyone's different, you know. Mm. And like I said, I look back now and I think, should I have maybe had a, a go at it? Should I have made more of an effort? Should I have put myself out there a little bit more? But at the time, it just didn't feel right. Didn't yeah, feel yeah. Right. I, I, th- I think it's very honest of you because you, you've actually, you know, you've took, you took the words right out of your mouth there. That was going to be me, me question, um, you know, whether whether your heart was in it or, or whether it was more yeah. just about the opportunity in front of you to... You know, to, to play international football of some sort, um, yeah. because I think sometimes, and you know, I mean, I mean this with all due re- respect to the guys playing for them, but I mean, sometimes you've had in the past where you've looked at kind of the Republic of Ireland team in particular, yeah. and more of them have actually been English by birth than, than Irish, um, and and sometimes I think you know some of them, um, I've got no doubt their heart is in it, and they you know feel an affinity towards the team, and they really want to represent the country. And maybe some of them look at it differently and just think that it's a chance to play international football. So I think the fact that yeah. you're very honest with yourself and thought actually, you know, it's it, it's not for me. Then then yeah, you know, I mean, it, it had been anything that you'd ever ever thought about before that that conversation with the assistant manager, or was it just kind of when he brought it up that you suddenly thought for the first time actually, yeah, I could you know could put myself. Yeah, up. I mean, it was just he brought it up and would never have had it be head at all if he didn't yeah. bring it up. Uh, so. Like yeah. I said, it's it's a great opportunity for some people, but at the time and where I was, it just it didn't seem right. And yeah. like I said, I didn't I didn't follow it up much after that. And yeah, so sort of, I just wanted to concentrate on me on me football with me with me league club at the time, which was Ipswich. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so having having kind of um, retired from the playing side of the game, um, you've moved into a coaching career. Um, you were briefly assistant manager at. Um, Halifax, I say it briefly, it wasn't that yeah. brief, but you, you know, you were at Halifax Town um, yeah. and went back to Wembley with them, uh, won yeah. the, the FA Trophy, beaten Grimsby in the final. Um, what what was that like as a coach compared to when you were playing? Did it feel very different? Were you more relaxed about it as a coach or was it actually more intense because you couldn't influence the game as much from the sidelines as maybe you could when you're on the pitch? Could you go yeah, with I, your experiences? I, I, I think with us being assistant manager, I could enjoy it a bit more. I think mm. if I was manager, yeah, then maybe it would have been a bit more. I think the manager always takes a bit more pressure. Yeah. Um, with us being assistant manager, I enjoyed the day, uh, and obviously enjoyed the game because we won. Uh, it was a fantastic day, fantastic experience. But also, I think we more or less knew we were moving on from the from the club. You know, the, yeah. the club had been relegated three three weeks beforehand. Mm. Yeah. Um, on the final day, you know, I, I'd helped out the the assistant manager at the time. The manager got the sack. The assistant manager got the job, and he just went, "Can you help me out?" And I went, "Yeah, no problem." Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we couldn't claw back the 
the points, you know. Um, so I've got to the last game and we, we had to win and we drew 1-1, got relegated and there was sort of all sorts of rumours about a new manager coming in, which was fair enough. Uh, so I think we went to Wembley and there wasn't really much pressure on us. You know, Grimsby were the favourites. They'd been promoted to the to the Football League. They were on a bit of a high. We were on a bit of a low. Yeah. Uh, we managed to sort of upset the form and we beat them. So it was a, a great day, really. Great day. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that was part of the, I mean, obviously the, the trophies now played on the same day as the FA Vars. I think earlier in the day from a northeast perspective, Morbus had won 4-1 yep. against Hereford. Yep. Did yep. you guys get to see any of that game or were you just kind of in your own little world doing your own preparations and not getting up? Yeah, we, we, we caught the sort of back end of it, uh, but it was more or less finished. You know, I think it was yeah. the last 10 minutes or something like yeah. that by the time we got there. Uh, but obviously delighted for them, you know, northeast yeah. club, fantastic uh, experience for them. Um, so yeah, it was good. good. Yeah, great, brilliant. So um, you, you've obviously then um, moved on to become the, the assistant manager at uh, Spennymoor. Um, yeah. And um, obviously you've been there now for for four years, which um, yep. you know in, in in management terms that that is a long time in in this day and age. But I mean, it obviously is. Jason Ainsley's been there, you know, a lot lot longer. So. Yeah. Well, what what is Jason Ainsley like to work for? And um, did you know Jason previously? I'm guessing you passed me have crossed at some point in the past. How did how did that come about? Yeah, they had. You know, I I known a, a little bit prior to that. Uh, we used to come to Hartlepool when um, I'd finished my career at Hartlepool. Sort of my last my last time at Hartlepool. Yeah. He used to come and watch training a little bit. Uh, and I would sort of briefly spoke to him a few times, and he'd sort of mention, "Why don't you come to Spennymoor after you'd left Hartlepool?" And that didn't happen. I ended up going to Halifax. Yeah. Uh, so the the chance came again when I sort of left Halifax, and he just said, "Why well, don't you come over, have a chat, um, and see what's what?" And as soon as I went over and and sort of spoke to Jason, and then I met Brad, the chairman. Yeah. Um, anyone who's met him, you know, you will be bowled over with the plans he has for the football club. Um, he's a fantastic man, um, and he wants success, and he wants the team to progress, and it ticked all the right boxes. Uh, it's a club going in the right direction. Uh, they do things right behind the scenes. It's very, very professional. Uh, and I got on really well with Jason. So I, yeah. there was an instant sort of, you know, I mean, this this is going to work or this is what I want to do. And yeah, yes, we've been and it's it's gone very well so far. It certainly has. I mean, the first the first season you were at the club, um, you you got promoted from the Northern Premier League via the playoffs. There, I think Blythe Spartans won the title, and, and you just went off in the playoffs. Um, and then you've had three seasons in the National League North now. Um, I mean, you've obviously established yourselves as one of the one of the stronger clubs in that division. And I think you know a lot of people will look at what's happened the last few seasons and say you you know you've you've been drastically unlucky. Um, yeah. You know, you missed out on the playoffs on goal difference three years ago. Um, you then finished fourth and obviously had the, the heartbreak and penalty defeat in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the way that the season concluded last year um, on points per game, you've, you've obviously narrowly missed out there despite the fact you were actually sitting seventh in the in the table yeah. when it ended. So w- when last season ended, um, h- how much of a frustration was that for yourselves, kind of knowing that you, know, you could have been third time lucky in terms of getting into the playoffs and giving yourselves that opportunity to, to go up again. How much of a frustration was it to see that opportunity pulled away from you? Yeah, it was. It was disappointing. Um, it was disappointing. But I think, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we we should have done better this season. You know, we should have been higher up the league. There's, there's games what we should have won. Yeah. Um, 
So I would say it was a, we underachieved. Um, yes, we were in the playoffs when the season finished, and who's to know what would have happened after that? Yeah. Uh, but whichever way, you know, the decision was going to come, um, someone was going to be disappointed, and unfortunately, it was us. You know, we we miss out on the on the points per game. Yeah. Uh, but like I said earlier, I think we we underachieved slightly. You know, we sh- we, sh- we yeah. should have been higher in the league, and uh, but that's one of them things. We, we, be ready to go again once the, the new season gets underway and hopefully come back stronger. Uh, and we're looking forward to it. Absolutely, and I, I, you know, with the narrowest of margins as well. I think on the points per game, it's something like no, no point, no one point per game yeah. or something, something stuff like that. And, and obviously, Gates are the kind of, yeah, obviously Gates are the kind of benefiting from that at the moment. Um, obviously, the preparations um, it, it has meant that you guys have been able to make your preparations um, ahead of next season. Um, obviously, a, a lot of new signings have come through the door, a couple of, couple of loan guys that you've had in there previously, the likes yeah. of Tyler Forbes, Jason Kennedy come back uh, permanently now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you've, you've signed a few more, the likes of Stephen Thompson, um, yeah. Leave, Adam Blakeman. A couple of, couple of long-serving players have left the club, Shane Henry, Andrew Johnson. Um, how, how, comf- sorry, how confident would you be that, you go into next season in a in a stronger position than maybe what you finished the last. Do you think that those new signings have really kind of strengthened your squad? Well, that's the aim. You know, that's the aim. We need to be better than last season. Um, and there's lads who's moved on who who've been fantastic servants for the football club. You know, yeah. Um, and some of them has been different circumstances. Um, you know, AJ didn't really play much. He had a few injuries and. It was probably time for him to go on. He's got he's got gone to more if he's getting a great move and he's he's been fantastic for spending more. And you look at Shane Henry, yeah, he's a Stockton Town lad. He, he wants to go back and play for Stockton Town. Um, yeah. So there's different circumstances to as when people move on. Um, but it's a chance to to get players through the door. We want to improve from last season. That is that is definitely the aim, and we hope to be stronger. Uh, you know, we've we've signed six players with the the loan lads. You know, making them yeah. permanent. Uh, we look at the to get a couple of more in, hopefully, uh, because it's a tough league. You know, there's yeah. some good football teams in. You know, there's, there's full-time teams in there as well. Yeah. Uh, so we're competing with that. Uh, but with the quality of player we're looking to bring in, and the, with the ones that we already have, then we're hoping to be there or thereabouts again. Um, and certainly better than what we've we've just finished. You know, higher up in the league, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, do you see? That? I mean, obviously, you've mentioned there that there's full-time teams in that league, and I think it's it's. A very interesting division um, with in that respect because you know if you go higher up the divisions then typically you know everybody's full time at those higher levels. Yeah. If you go yeah. low, if you go lower down the league, everybody's part time, and obviously it's at that level that you've kind of got the difference. So, how, how yeah. much of an advantage do you think it actually gives those teams that are full time? Do you do you see any kind of evidence of that advantage in the games that you play? Yeah, I mean, it's certain games you do, you know. Teams obviously can work on things during the week. We have a very limited time. Uh, we yeah. train Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. You know, you're training for an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, and yes, you can get the stuff in. You know what you want to get across and your, your points and you work on stuff as well. I'm not disputing that. But yeah. if you've got all week, then obviously you can work on a bit more stuff and uh, you can get a, a few more ideas across. And then you might be able to watch a few videos and a bit of analysis and, and stuff like that. So... Yes, I think they do have an advantage. I wouldn't say they have, they have an advantage in terms of being fitter than us because I mm. think we're one of the fittest teams in the league and, and every yeah. team we play, we sort of overpower them. You know, we, we, we keep going to the end. We've got a very fit bunch of lads. But in terms of getting a bit more training, 
tactical stuff into the lads, then obviously the full-time teams benefit benefit from that. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, looking ahead to next season, um, before the season starts, do you ever kind of sit down and, and talk about realistic targets and share those with the players, or do you just go into it looking to kind of win every game that's in front of you? Yeah, I think for a, for the for a club what we are now, you know, and the, and the success the, the club has had through the many years prior to me being there as well, you know, yeah. Jason Haynes has been a fantastic manager for Spennyville. Let's let's Saint not kid ourselves, you know, the, the success he's done and. He's a great man manager, you know. He's very, very good with the players. You know, he'll have a laugh and joke with them, but then he'll he'll tell them when he needs to tell them, you know. And he, and he oversees things, you know. He he has myself doing the coaching uh, yeah. with Stuart Parnaby as well. So we have a good mix, you know. There's a good mix between the three of us. Um, but the aim is every year to, to better it, you know. And like I said, I think the season just gone. We we fell short. Yes, we were in the playoffs. Um, when it ended, but got knocked out because of the points of the game. But we we believe and we should have been higher up. Uh, so the the aim is to to be in there, you know, with a shout. We want to we want to be as high as we can, and we want to be in that playoff mix, and we want to be in the top two. You know, we, we want to aim for the top, and we if we fall short, then we find ourselves in the playoffs, and we we look forward to that. Yep, fingers crossed. It's um, fourth mouth. Say fourth time, lucky. I, I don't know how much we can count last season, given it was is kind of cancelled before the end. But uh, fourth time, lucky next season, hopefully. Um, yeah. Um, just one final point on um, Spennymoor. I think you know, not not so much a question, just an observation. I mean, um, obviously Jason's been there since the days that they were down in the second division of the, the Northern League, which you know is yeah. tenth tenth tier. They're, they're obviously sixth tier now. How far? How far do you think realistically? How far can you see this team being able to go? I know. I know there's a lot of ifs and buts around getting promotion and that, but if they did achieve promotion, how far could you realistically see them going? Well, I think the ambition is is there for everyone to see. You know, the the groundworks, what's been done over the the past couple of years. You know, with the playing surface is absolutely immaculate. You know, there's there's everything. Every time I go to the ground, there's work getting done. Yeah. Uh, there's always people there improving the ground. It's we have the training ground. Everything's in place. Everything's gearing up to 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 try to get as high as they can. And obviously the object is one day to, to get to the football league without a shadow of a doubt. You know, you sort of build and you build and you build. You want to get to the national league, and then when you get to the national league, you'll have a little look at that and see where it takes us. Yeah. Then the next game is, is league two, and and who's to say we can't do it? You know, like I said earlier, we've got a fantastic chairman. Who does things right, and we have people working at the club who are very, very professional. You know, we've, yeah. we've got an MD, you know, Tony Wilson. He looks after things from that side of uh, perspective, and we're going in the right direction. It's a progressive club and very ambitious. Absolutely. Um, just, just thinking about because um, obviously. Um, as a player, you were obviously a, a professional, so you were full time in the game. You've now, um, you know, you've now gone to a side where you you're coaching on a um, part time basis. So, um, and I know you're doing other things away from Spennymoor, not necessarily away from from football altogether, but away from Spennymoor. So, um, what what can you tell us about your, your your day job, so to speak? What what does that involve? Yeah, I was involved with uh, alternative education. Um, for a couple of years, uh, um, and I've just sort of left that, um, yeah. and I've now set my own um, business up in terms of coaching, uh, TM8 pro training, yeah. uh, and it's really one-to-one sessions uh, or group sessions, 
uh, with from kids ranging from six to to eighteen year old. And yeah. the last couple of weeks, it's gone well. Um, I've had some young lads, all different sort of abilities. Uh, I had a couple of lads from Middlesbrough uh, under eighteens last week, um, and I've had lads from Sunday teams. You know, from from the young as six. Yeah. Uh, so it's a fantastic sort of learning curve for me, you know, coaching different ages, which I've done throughout my sort of time as a coach. Yeah. Uh, just passed the A license and I'm just looking to to help people along the way, you know, help them improve and I look at all all sorts of you know, the fitness side of it, um, the technical, um, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and yeah. like I said, I've been impressed with what I've seen so far. I've had some fantastic kids uh, on the on the sort of coaching sessions and long may continue i'm looking i'm looking forward to to delivering more brilliant and um obviously you've just mentioned there you've um you know you've been doing your your air license you've obviously got um experience working away from um away from the club at spennymoor but also that that spennymoor experience as well so yeah. what, what could you see yourself doing in the long run do you, do you think you'd be quite content kind of staying as a number two and coaching and then kind of doing the day job alongside that and coaching the kids or do you see yourself more as kind of progressing into a managerial role yourself at some point and maybe working a little bit higher up the ladder, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think ever since I sort of got to about 30, 31, I was looking at, at coaching and getting me badges, and, I, and I've always wanted to be a manager. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I've always wanted to be a manager, um, and I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing. I'm assistant manager, and I love it. You know, Spennymoor is a fantastic club, and it's a great learning experience for me. Um, but the ultimate aim is to one day be a manager. You know, I, I don't want to be assistant manager all my life. Yeah. Uh, and I want to be my own man. I want to be, say, number one, the manager. Uh, when that time will come, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but I do enjoy the spending more and, and I'm learning and I'm gaining experience all the time. And obviously working alongside Jason, who's done it for as long as, you know, a very long time. Yeah. Um, I, I'm gaining things off him and, Obviously, yeah. I'm taking bits from managers I've played under in the past and worked for. So mm. it's I'm enjoying the ride and uh, enjoying the journey. And like I say, my main aim um, in the future is to to be a manager and to to, to have a go at it. Yeah, I think it'll have to be elsewhere. I think waiting for Jason Ainsley to move on is probably like Prince Charles waiting to become king. It's uh, a <laughs> long, long time coming, so uh, maybe the opportunity will come up elsewhere. He, he might go when he gets his statue up. Maybe, maybe. Just a few things, to, uh, a few final questions to tie things off. So um, there was a question, I mean, this, this one might be a little bit more clear-cut for you, but um, I had uh, Gavin Cogden, who you'll know well from Spennymore, yeah, yeah. I'm on the yeah. podcast a few weeks ago, and um, I asked him about his two experiences at Wembley and saying, you know, could he could he pick a favourite amongst them? So you've obviously been at Wembley twice, um, uh, you know, once as the assistant manager with Halifax and once as the player with yeah. Huddersfield. Is, is that a pretty obvious question to ask which one your you kind of favourite was or, you know, could you... Could yeah, you not yeah, well, yeah. Well, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, obviously playing in the game and uh, the whole occasion, obviously bigger crowd, um, yeah. you're going up a league into the championship. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, definitely Huddersfield, although Halifax was a, a yeah. great day as well and obviously great for, for Halifax to win the FA Trophy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Huddersfield, from a playing point of view, yeah, definitely my best uh, experience. 
I suspected that was a bit of a harder question for him than it was for you, to be honest, but I thought I'd ask it yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> few, uh, few quick fire ones then to finish. Um, yeah. Who would you say was the best player that you ever played with? A lad called Pablo Canago, who played for Ipswich, number nine, centre forward. Absolutely fantastic. We both signed at the same time. Yeah. Um, he came from Spain, I came from yeah. Hartlepool, slightly differences. He just won the, the World Cup with Spain in the under-21s, where he played with Casillas and Xavi and all them. And here he comes, rocks up with Ipswich, and he's, he's suddenly training alongside me, who's come from Hartlepool. <laughs> uh, but we, yeah. we struck up an instant relationship on and off the pitch, and just a real connection on the pitch. I didn't even have to look. I just knew where he would be on the field and I would play yeah. little balls around the corner and with his back to goal, he was fantastic and so strong. He would twist, he would turn and he would score goals and yeah, he, he was the best player I played with because of the chemistry we had. Brilliant. And could you, could you pick out one, um, could you pick out one player that would be the best player that you played against in your career? Is there anyone that stands out there? Yeah, listen, I was fortunate to play against the best players in the time in the Premier League, you know, the Lampards, the Gerrards, uh, the Roy Keane, the Scholes, um, yeah. Patrick Vieira. I just think on that day, in that game, when I played against Arsenal and Vieira was in midfield, he was, it was a joke. You know, he's all arms, he's all legs, he's an absolute yeah. powerhouse. You could get nowhere near him, so he's yeah. number one for me, number one. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a bit of a unit. Like he's, a, I wouldn't fancy uh, going into a fifty-fifty with him. I must admit. <laughs> and I'm and I'm and I'm six foot five, and I'm saying that. So, uh. <laughs> um, who who would you say is the best manager that you played for during your career? I think it would have to be sort of the most success I had was at Ipswich. So Joe Royal, you know, yeah. uh, fantastic manager. He, he put me in a position which I enjoyed and we played a formation where I was just allowed freedom to get forward and to get in the box and to score goals. Um, and I had players around me who would sort of do the, the leg work, the donkey work and do my defending. He just used to say to me, get in the box. Uh, and I'd like to think I did that for him and obviously I, I got the goals and him and Willie Donaghy were a perfect, perfect combination because Willie was a bit more serious where Joe was a bit more relaxed. Yes, he'd tell you if you needed to be told. But yeah. Willie was very serious on the coaching on the coaching field, um, and Joe, great man manager, and like I say, it was probably where I had my best times as a as a player working for him. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and, and final question. Well, I'm going to break this one down into two. We're going to do it from a from a playing perspective and and then from a coaching perspective. So, yeah, what what would you say to what would be your your one bit of advice for a young player looking to looking to kind of break into the game what would what would be the advice that you would give them i would say I never give up you know I, I i was turned down and i'm not the only one you know there's many players who's turned down and, and gone on to play in non-league and then got back into the football league that way never give up always practice you know take the time to practice you know i look back and i think maybe i should have done a little bit more after training you know i i used to be at ipswich and I look at the likes of Darren Bent and Darren Ambrose. They used to stay for hours behind after training and practice and practice and practice and, and look where it got them, especially Darren Bent. Right. And then at Swindon, there was Matt Ritchie, obviously, who's gone on to Newcastle and he went to Bournemouth and then obviously Newcastle and he's done yeah. brilliant. He was another one. You'd have to drag him off the training field. <laughs> he was he was out there for hours working on his deliveries, working on his crossing, working on his shooting. And I think yeah. that is it. You know, you've, you've got to put the time in and you've got to put the effort in. You have a lot of time in football, you know, you only you only train and sort of, well, half 10 or maybe it's about half 12, get yourself yeah. in the gym, get yourself outside, practice, take the time and 
never give up, never give up. Excellent advice. Um, and then the, the, the second part of that question, then from a from a coaching perspective. So obviously you're somebody who's you know got a bit of experience in the game coaching now. You've obviously yeah. done your 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 various licenses that you've you've gone yeah. through. What would you say to any any young coaches looking to looking to kind of break into coaching? What would be your advice for them? Well, again, you're always learning. You know, you're not the finished article. Always listening to, to, to people who's done it for a lot longer than you, who's got more experience. Um, watch things on the telly. If you go to games, watch how teams set up. Watch how they how they sort of go on on the sidelines as well. Get an idea and judge their characters. Um, obviously, your own man, but you might just take something from them. You know, little bits. Watch the games on the telly. Watch how people come across when they're speaking in the media. All sorts of stuff like that goes with coaching, managing. Um, yeah, like I've just said, you are your own man, but you might just come across something where you think, oh yeah, that's going to work for me, and you might just take bits. Brilliant advice, thank you very much. Um, so, so that brings us to the end of um, of episode six. So, thanks very much, Tommy, for joining me. Really, really enjoyed the chat. Um, More than welcome. Brilliant, and uh, thanks everybody for um, for listening yet again. Um, Episode seven will be out in about two weeks' time, so keep an eye on the Twitter site for an announcement um, coming on that particular episode. Um, and until then, stay safe. Thanks very much. Cheers.